0: Welcome to the Cinephile History Fit Podcast, brought to you by the Ruminations Radio Network and sponsored by Film Obsessive. This is the tirade Film Movie Debate, hosted by two film critics, cool dads and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan.
1: And I'm William Top10Johnson. I don't even know what I that would, means. but
0: go I, I was hoping that was your middle name for this one. You've got the right idea. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, we're damn glad to have you folks. This is all for tantrum sake. We share passions and high fives. Watch away any place for hate. No matter what, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the lists are built. Uh, we've been overdue crossing the month here into February to get you folks. Um, our annual show of um, of our 10 best, 10 favorites, whatever you want to call it. I know I'm a best favorite guy. Well, I'm sure that'll come up me when I talk. But uh here are our top 10 movies of 2023. So there's not much of a high-minded case. There's all praise here. Um, we don't have to kind of you know push each other around. This is a nice little part where we just get to share a good list with each other.
1: Well, you know, this is kind of the first year. You know, well, let me let me start over because it's it's a funny because when we're recording this, like I have watched like like nine movies, the total this year. Like I've been yeah. kind of on a little bit of a movie. I, I went so hardcore last year on movies mm-hmm. um, that I, I kind of needed a little cleanse, like a little palate cleanser, like take a month off. I know that sounds weird, but like, no, oh,
0: I'm. I, right there I with think
1: you. I think when you see a lot of movies and, and then I'll look back at my letterbox and I'll go, Oh yeah, I did watch that. When you're starting to kind of have things blend together, like I think it yeah. kind of takes the enjoyment out. So. Uh, you know, I, but I did part of just going so hardcore was uh, for having not as many press acts, not as much press access as Don. Mm-hmm. I still saw 75 films from 2023. So uh,
0: yeah. and that,
1: that's not counting. Uh, I'm not counting like uh, uh, some short stuff like uh, mm-hmm. like the I am Groot short films and right. stuff like that. So this is 75 narrative films um, that I saw, which I think is pretty good when i've it's only maybe yeah. 10 of those i got press screenings too. you know so i paid yeah. a lot of money to see a lot of movies i know you were over 100 right so I, thought- I
0: did top 100 um about i think about 77 of them got written <laughs> uh because even i nice. i mean i see 100 but i can't write them all or other people have those assignments or it's a words crush where i've got a whole bunch of saved drafts that I, I just can't get done it's just nuts so no i'm with you where um um, even at a hundred, I know there are folks and peers that do what I do, um, who see 300, you know, that are nuts. Um, but you're also right about the whole idea of like, we just came out of January where there's just not a lot to, you know, get excited about. I'm, you know, a J you know, the annual Jason Statham mm-hmm. ass kicker, you've got some counter programming with stuff like mean girls or a little, or the awards carryovers that, you know, started in December and finally get wide in January. It hasn't been, I mean, it hasn't been that. Exciting of a January to talk about. Um, even me being the press guy, I haven't been to a press screening in over a month. Um, the last one I went yeah. to was before Christmas. It was Aquaman 2. Um, I haven't seen another movie. I, I've seen movies in the theater on my own, but I haven't been yeah. to a press screening since, and we're going on a month and change. So, um, and even in the horizon here, uh, I'm not like tomorrow is supposed to be. Um, oh, we're recording this in February, Monday. We're coming up on like. Um, kind of that week of uh Bob Marley one love or Madam Webb or coming you God. know the, the Valentine's Day things are coming and even those I'm not going to go see so they yeah, the Bob Marley wrong movies I just don't care you know I'm just out the of it. Bob
1: Marley when I've got my own things about that which we'll get into but uh yeah. yeah but um you know and this is also but this is also the first year when I put my list together that I just kind of I I've always been a mixture of uh uh, favorite and best but mm. i i mm-hmm. kind of realized like i'm always struggling with that i've always struggled with a uh the concept of being a quote-unquote legit film critic and i and i realize <laughs> yeah now that i there's very few of those that actually exist and i i just wanted to make a top 10 of stuff that i purely mm-hmm. enjoyed and i don't care if it's the best or not i mean in the yeah. end i mean this is entertainment i mean if we're talking legacy stuff like when we put our top 100 together you right, gotta right. look at you have to look at the legacy of it like what the impact of it was to look at that best and favorite but if we're talking about you know the, the stuff that i enjoyed the most during this mm-hmm. year that doesn't have a legacy yet because it hasn't survived past one calendar year then right. i'm going to go with what I enjoyed more, my favorites more than what I think. Right.
0: No. I, and I, I think if you're coming in, if you're coming in like that, I think you're doing that version of it. Right. Because I love how you speak about legacy. Like the, we're making a list here at the end of the year when a lot of these movies just happen, we don't know how they're going to do with the Oscars. We don't know how they're, if it even matters if they're in the Oscars. I don't, I think most of my top 10 is filled movies that weren't nominated for the Oscars. So I, I don't, yeah, that's I was fine with me. Ask. And but like um in five years, oh, let's see here. Like if I go just counting one, two, mm-hmm. three, four, four of my top ten have Oscar nominations. Maybe five if you count a certain raging monster from Tokyo, but none of them are best I mean yeah, I mean two of them are best picture nominees if that, if, you know. If
1: we're talking major categories, yeah. Uh I've four. only got I've got two best picture nominees in my top ten and then mm-hmm. Just major awards, not technical, because I've got some technical awards in there. But me too. Um, yeah, maybe also two. Yeah, so, and know, that shows.
0: Well, but you know well, me; I'm it. doing a favorite thing. Like my favorite, like I like the thing that will make a future one hundred for me, or that'll get the rewatches, is, is like my my favorite quote-unquote movie of the year is probably number five, and where okay. I just recognize the pedigree and quality above it at four, three, two, right. and one. But it's it's no no loss to number five or number one number four number two or three you know none of that it's it's just i i do have that brain where i'm i'm going best before i'm going favorite but favorite all of a sudden sneaks in plenty of places that's for sure
1: yeah and the oscars this year we'll probably have a future show on it i hope so the telecast um yeah kind of a disappointing year in general it kind of feels like the academy only saw like 13 movies and nominated just those, you know, know. there there was, there was a lack, there's a lot of lack of variety this year. Um, and just looking at my top 10, I can see, uh, and we'll get to the top 10 shortly, but you know, I can see so many spots where they could have fit a screenplay in there or a best supporting actress or something, you know, like just somewhere with my, in my top 10. Okay. Yeah. And we'll, we'll probably have a show on the Oscars in the future. Um, but uh, I got to say that I felt like the Academy only watched like 13 films this year. There's not a lot of variety and
0: no, there sure wasn't.
1: And just looking at my top 10, I mean, there's some heavy hitters in there in terms mm-hmm. of what ride release. And I can see if they, if they had watched more than 13 films, I can see a couple of supporting actress nominations. I can see yeah. some additional visual effects, some screenplays, uh, even, even a huge heavy hitter didn't get any acting nominations, which we'll get into, but Yeah, I just I just feel like um, for usually in some way, there's always there's always like someone out there who has a pretty eclectic list. But right, I think I think for something that was kind of boring in terms of nominations for the Oscars, like Mm -hmm. kind of going against that grain will help. I think people like maybe find some different films because there's people out there that only watch Oscar films. and That's totally fine. because. They're being told like these are the best films of the year but you right. and i like i said i mean you have four i have maybe two that yeah are considered for oscars this year in major categories so it's mm-hmm. like hopefully someone can get a uh, some variety there you know
0: i think they will um i like to think i got a pretty eclectic list um even oh, for, for being sure. the, the top flighty film criticy guy but um yeah I, I or it's just balanced at least that's kind of where i'm hoping for so um before we get into north 10 do you have any honorable mentions well i'll tell you what we'll do our honorable mentions then we'll do a commercial then we'll do our main 10 so let's get some honorable mentions in here
1: yeah um uh, i'll go first so i kind of have a couple different areas i want to mention for honorable mentions, so to speak so um i generally it's tough for me to rate documentaries alongside mm. um narrative features i just think i normally
0: i normally don't i i leave them out.
1: I normally don't, but since I was kind of going on an enjoyment level only this year, like I said in the beginning, right, right. I decided to put documentaries in my top 75 of the year or whatever. Um, and three of them did crack the top twenty. One was actually in the top 10 for quite a while. Uh, but the three documentaries that kind of made my, you know, my top 20... Uh, was uh, let's see. There's one called Hollywood Dreams and Nightmares, which is the Robert England story. It's all about mm-hmm. Robert England's career, and it's not just Freddy Krueger stuff. It's it's a it's a lengthy, super detailed um, look into his life. It's really fascinating. I mean, it goes from everything from you know the struggling actor days to his success on TV, then of course being Freddy Krueger, and then becoming kind of a horror icon. And it also goes into like convention life and. Just a a great, some great tales there of Hollywood, like in all kinds of different eras, you know, from the 60s all the way to today. Uh, A couple other ones were, uh, I'm a sucker for sports documentaries. Uh, One is called BS High, which you can watch on HBO Max. It's about uh, this guy who created um, this, you know, kind of high school football team. But it wasn't a high school, and it wasn't a real football team, and it was just a. And somehow they got on ESPN, and it was just a really fascinating con artist story. It's kind of a crime slash sports story. It's really interesting. And then um, my third documentary, which the, which was in the top ten for most of my year, was uh, Steph, uh, Stephen Curry Underrated, which was
0: yeah, good choice there. A,
1: a really really fun documentary that wisely does not depict his. Uh, epic NBA career but more his growing up as the son of an NBA I wouldn't say star or all-stars mm-hmm. an nba a popular NBA player and then going to college as like an undersized kid at a, at a really small school and his you know his journey there it's really uh, really uh, a fun watch there um, in terms of narrative features I mean I've got some some that might end up on your list in in okay. uh, honorable mentions Uh, I'll just list some and then I have one I want to promote out there, but I've got like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, Iron Claw, Air, Extraction 2, Anatomy of a Fall. Um, But number 20 is one that I really want people to watch, and it's called Silent Night, John John Woo's return to Hollywood. uh, And it's, um, I mean, not only is it an excellent action revenge picture, but it actually has no dialogue. Yeah, which is pretty compelling uh, to watch because you're forced to only go off of, you know, facial expressions mm-hmm. and raw emotions that are not said that are not spoken out loud. It's it's really interesting film. So, that's, yeah,
0: you you got me to watch that and it was it was better than I better than I expected. That's for oh, sure.
1: fantastic. Yeah, yeah, great. yeah, I'm glad you did. What do you got?
0: um for honorable mentions um I'll, I'll throw out some some comedy stuff because i think comedy gets underappreciated a lot i got th- probably sure. three comedies in my in my 11 through 20 slots where i thought dumb money um i know we did a show mm-hmm. the cinephile his it did a show with katie Glywell on that one where you've got you know you, you can't beat a good scandalous true story in it in and in a sarcastic way of telling it where nice nice ensemble cast really good movie um and, and the entertainment level is there while the smarts of it in the story that it's trying to tell with the GameStop stock, you know, f- fiasco was there. Um the most I laughed this year in a movie was Joyride. <laughs> with um, mm. with our girls going to Asia, trying to figure out things out in business and party and have a good time, where a complete girls trip movie and uh, hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I had a blast at that. And then it's probably in your top ten. I, I think it's in your top ten, but down it's down in the bottom three for bottom twenty for me is um Paul Giamatti who might just start win the Oscar for the for best actor. The Holdovers. Um, mm-hmm. it's a pretty dry comedy. Um, but it has like a ton of warmth to it in in a fun setting and being that teacher or being a school teacher, I kind of get the vibes of that movie and being a former college student who used to be one of those people who spent the Christmas breaks, you know, in the skeleton crew of staff and on campus rather than the go home. I've been there. I've been Dominic Sessa. Um, But Mm. uh, yeah, those three comedies kind of stand out a little bit in the narratives in the bottom kind of 20. um, I've got kind of bigs and littles in here. Um, I have air just like you do where that's undeniable. I call it like the varsity team movie kind of thing where big stars (laughs) do big things and just kind of, Get out of their way and let them do big star things. Um, playing the school teacher card, I think there's two movies here that I think, um, are future or just asking to be future kind of you know, history class kinds of things. One of them is a little harder and harsher than the others, and that's this is uh, the Society of Snow. Um, mm-hmm. the, the update of the um, it's not a remake of Alive by any means, it's a different book and a different adaptation of that story of the, art, uh, the Uruguayan soccer team in the Andes, but um real good movie a foreign language film, um, on Netflix, a solid effort. Um, I think the other kind of school teacher special would be uh, a million miles away. Michael Pena playing the first migrant farm Mm. worker who became a a NASA astronaut. And it's a nice, nice nice chance to see Michael Pena get a, a, a plum lead part. And then, um, what more, what's the last one i can put here right, number 11 knocking on the door outside the top 10 um i know casey affleck is kind of i don't know if he's half canceled or whatever he is but i don't mm-hmm. you know you know he us the an show, Oppenheimer, a shit. so yeah an Oppenheimer, yeah, yeah. So. i don't give a shit what happens to casey affleck but uh, he's got a good little music um kind of half biopic called dreaming wild mm-hmm. where he um he play him and Walter Goggins play brothers who, when they were in 1970, whatever kind of tried to do kind of a self-published album of like two young kind of boy bands kind of doing the soulful, you know, singer songwriter thing. They were, they went undiscovered where he kept uh little brother, kept up with the music, big brother didn't. And then in the internet era of the, uh, of the aughts their their album gets discovered by kind of like rock fans and D and in and, and creators and antique stores where, People try to find like, where, where's whatever happened to that old band in this old record because the song is sublime and I wonder if they wonder what they're doing and they and they find these artists and they kind of have a, a career renaissance in their you know in their 40s and it's hmm. or at least a renewed appreciation of appreciation of what they did then and and the story of kind of how they got there and it's a it's a nice you know heartfelt musical movie Dreaming Wild um those are kind of the ones that stand out in the uh, in the honorable mention section
1: before we go to commercial, I'm just
0: curious, oh, yeah.
1: what's your, mm-hmm. what's your dead last movie of 2023 that you have on your ranking?
0: In my 20 or in like dead last, no, like dead worst last film of the year? on
1: the whole uh, the whole kit and caboodle.
0: Oh, I'm hold on here. That's going to take a. I I wonder, um,
1: I wonder if you and I have the same one, <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe you not. you keep
0: talking and stalling and I'm going to look up the stats to look it well, up here. It's going to take a little bit here.
1: Ranked at number 75 out of 75 for me okay. for 2023 is Rebel Moon, which we did an episode on.
0: Yeah, that's... Let me see here. Sort by rating. Give me a hot second here. 2023. Oh, stall, stall, stall. See,
1: I made a list because I was prepared.
0: Okay. I have three one-star movies from 2023. Okay. Um, I couldn't tell you in order to put them in. There's um a Michael J. White, Dolph Lundgren kind of directed video movie called come out fighting about tank uh tank soldiers in world war ii it's not very good um that seems have, fun
1: to me <laughs>
0: it, it's it, you would think it is and then they just they just screwed up tyrese gibson's in it there it's uh, it it's it's rough um I thought so too. The trailer had me, uh, but then I then I go watch the movie and oh boy, that was rough. I have Mama Mafia or I'm sorry Mafia Mama with Tony. Oh Klett. God, I didn't see where, that. I heard, that's that a mess. Bad. That um, it bad. is bad, um, and she deserves better. Um, she she's a hoot, but it, the movie and material does nothing for her. Um, this is probably the worst. The the other one star movie I got is Ben Affleck and Robert Rodriguez with Hypnotic, where that oh, was oh man, an come on, mess it, it deserves better f- than. It could have been better, but it's it's a mess too. Where let's those see where are I had hypnotic.
1: I'm just curious. I, I let me see where I have hypnotic because I you gave it, have th-
0: it two stars.
1: I gave it three stars. Actually, oh Jesus Christ! I, I guess, <laughs> it's number six. It's number sixty-one.
0: All right, not bad. No, bad.
1: Uh, uh, better than Killers of the Flower Moon for me.
0: <laughs> wow, you know, I'll, no, I, that I'll that, work with. You know,
1: I liked I I liked the kind of. Um, showtime outer limits feel to it like very yeah, cheap it was good i like, was trying it was I, I, f- I felt like it was like one of those late nights like when i was up late mm-hmm. couldn't sleep like two thirty three in the morning and i'm watching showtime and outer limits comes on and it's kind of a high concept poorly delivered thing I enjoy, I yeah. enjoyed the vibe of it more than okay. anything else. So, okay. but yeah, it's number sixty-one for me.
0: How many? I'll ask this before the commercial break. How many five-star perfect scores did you give in twenty twenty-three?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Let me see.
0: Yeah, uh, I gave. Yeah, I'm gonna,
1: I have to count them.
0: Uh, yeah, I'll stall this time because I made the count. I gave seven, um, seven out of hundred, and that's that's kind of about my average. I think I was about six last five, year. I, five. I've had years where I get to ten to fourteen, but I I did seven.
1: Um, I have five. Well, six. Oddly enough, my number eight is five stars, but my number seven is four and a half. But okay, I'm giving number yeah, seven the that. edge because I uh, sure, uh, have rewatched it more and enjoyed it. Okay. um, yeah, a lot of four and a halves though, which I know you hate. Um, Shh, and obviously, if, if my number <laughs> is six, if my number is 61 out of 75 is three stars, then you know, I'm not a hugely harsh critic. I mean, yeah, yeah, we're not even getting below three until.
0: Killers oh yeah I mean, I, I mean, it's
1: 63 so
0: let's see here there's how many in a row here in letterbox three six nine twelve so i have at least here just one short of i have 35 minus the seven so 20 28 four star films nice. which is you know a quarter of my year so i've, yeah, that's, I've only got that's how it floats. one i've only got one
1: one star it's rebel moon i do have two one one and and a half little mermaid and no hard feelings
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right all right yeah no hard feelings all right yeah that's about where it's gonna go all right yeah. well those are our honorable mentions uh folks hang tight and please enjoy this short announcer from the ruminations radio network
1: hey this is charlie triple c from brevity box a new and interesting podcast from the ruminations radio network If you're a fan of podcasts, we have a lot of great content to offer. Come check out our diverse group of podcasts and hosts at ruminationsradionetwork.com. All
0: right, welcome back. Uh, Yeah, number 10. Yeah, well, actually, before we do this real quick, Mm -hmm. is there any heavy hitter? I doubt you have, but is
1: there any heavy hitters you haven't seen from 2023? That's a good
0: question. Wow. i i thought i really covered it well like i went on a um i went on a voting deadline binge at the end of right around christmas break or right before it where i had to get a bunch of things done in order to kind of be a critic's choice of order and things like that so i saw like Anatomy of the fall zone of interest kind of the, the hitters that are showing up at the oscar night um mm-hmm. if there's a one other one i've missed it's probably gosh um I I feel comfortable. Um there's lots of yeah. little eclectic like sure. There's there's the small like I haven't seen the teenage Mutant Ninja journals. Um I haven't seen wow. um I probably I've probably missed more popular things than I've missed heady right. pedigree things, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, my 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 big two that I haven't seen yet and I'm going to try before the Oscars anyway is Zone of Interest and mm. Color Color Purple.
0: Yeah. I have not seen. Okay. Those are
1: the two those are probably the two biggest yeah uh films i haven't seen for this year uh i've definitely missed definitely some of the smaller things on your list for mm-hmm. sure but i think i i do also feel pretty comfortable in terms of like um not only the popular but also the kind of uh crit- yeah. critically heralded films so i i feel pretty confident other than those two
0: so mm-hmm. yeah that's um there's lots of like yeah, there's lots of little. I, there's always indie things I wish I saw, like
1: mm.
0: Anne Hathaway and Eileen from Neon Pictures. Um, I wish I saw. Um, yeah, there's there's always there's always there's always stuff, man. But um, no, I think, but no, I think both the, of us will ones be ones pretty I got,
1: comprehensive. Yeah. I think we'll both be pretty comprehensive for the well, year. I think
0: this yeah. is one of those years. And to point to the Oscars again, like um, when the t- when the ten best picture nominees came out, I I had already seen them all. And normally there's, there's a year nine. Yeah. yeah. Normally every year there's one or two. Even I miss, but not right. this year. This year I was on top. That's good. So yeah, I'll take it. Nice. Um, All right. Number ten. Uh, yeah. You want to go first? I can go first. You bet you. Um, sure. I did American Fiction. Court Jefferson's uh, okay. satirical okay. drama with Jeffrey Wright giving the performance of his career as um, a college <clears throat> professor who's trying to figure out how to, and a writer who's trying to get his his a, a new work out there that can maybe move the needle and he ends up kind of going against his better judgment to. Write something a little more black, uh, stereotypically black than he normally writes, and it ends up being a big seller and kind of a, a bit of an identity theft. Or I don't want to say identity theft, but he's he's being a little fraudulent with his own talent just for the for making a joke. But it ends up he has to kind of take it and run with it, not as a joke. Because it's making him great success in the public once more, and he would he abhors writing the way he does. At the same time, he's dealing with family drama back home in Boston, and it's a uh, one of the best balances I've seen in a long time between satire and legit family drama, where it, it's well balanced. Um, this this movie could have easily been just a slog of family stuff, or it could have been an over the top thing with the the black you know the the challenging of black stereotypes. But this one, it just it it it, it pulls both really well and and with jeffrey wright an accomplished actor at the center it works so i i dug um, it.
1: that was i gave that three and a half that was my number 42 okay, um, okay. i think it was too balanced personally i think that ah, that's it, fair. i don't think it, i don't think it took enough risk and mm, i, I think fair. that sometimes it would dip its toe and be truly satirical and then sometimes yeah. it would back off
0: however thing, the i family part two right mm-hmm.
1: yeah however i do admit that uh, the acting across the board oh yeah is fantastic so mm-hmm. i i i can't i'm not gonna say a bad thing about it i just sure. uh i personal preference. i, can't, there, I yeah. can't go top 10 but yeah i, w- I pick.
0: i'm with you i would love to see street satire version of that i'd love to see straight family drama to that i'm happy they balanced what they got but oh yeah good call what do you yeah. got it 10
1: I uh, I won't talk too much about it cuz we we are releasing an episode on it I think before this one airs obviously uh it's mm-hmm. uh, for me it was uh, controversial perhaps but Ferrari was my number 10 of the year it just oh. edged out Air
0: Yeah um, okay, okay for me I have um, Air at 12 and Ferrari nowhere near the top 20 <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah no I um I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and stuff say like you know that's soulless and stuff like that no, I actually cool. I actually think it's a, a, a brilliant takedown of you know, brand worship and idolatry, you know, like yeah, how we, yeah. how we look at certain things. Um, and it just really moved me. And it, it was one of those ones that it didn't really hit me until the end. Cause I, I was a little like, okay, where are we going? Why well, I watched mm-hmm. it. But by the time I got to the end, I, I, I saw the complete picture. I was like, okay, this is, this is exactly okay. what I needed. So. That's my number 10, Ferrari. Yeah,
0: and for those of you who are joining us for this list, uh, that was last week's episode with our guests from the Cinematic Underdogs podcast, Jordan Pugin and Paul Keelan. So shout out to Jordan and Paul. Thanks for the good episode on Ferrari for sure.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Number nine for me. Here's an unconventional, no one's heard of it kind of movie. Um, And I've got probably two of those in this top 10. Um, I have a movie from February. It played at South by Southwest the year before. It's called Linoleum Mm. with... with, uh, Stand-up comedian Jim Gaffigan. I've heard. He of plays guy. a he pl- It's a drama for him, and I've never seen him attempt this level of drama. Hmm. So he plays a down and out um, kid science show host who's going. He's getting replaced by somebody younger and cooler, and he's going also going through a divorce uh, at home. And it's kind of the late seventies, early eighties in that time period. And he he kind of laments the idea that this is all I got on my life is teaching a science show when I really could have been a legit scientist. Uh, and he always dreamed of applying for NASA stuff like that. And it's weird. I have two NASA ish movies in my top 20 this year with Michael Pena's, but, um, so this movie, he finds a crashed rocket in his backyard and tries to rebuild it in his garage in an effort to go to space. Hmm. Lo and behold, no, um, I'll save spoilers here. Lo and behold, there's more, we're going to, some of this could be very much in his head, uh, in terms of what's really going on. What's his family situation really at home? What's this NASA situation and where he's at in his life. Then it all comes to a head in the third act brilliantly and beautifully um, from a first time director, Colin West. And uh, I was I was impressed. It's from Shout Studios. It's a little tiny movie that, you know, a complete little engine that could movie. I think it's on Amazon Prime at the moment. Um, but I if you if you like Jim Gaffigan and his dry sense of wit, um, mm. seeing it applied to some drama is not bad. Um, super impressed.
1: I think comedian. I haven't seen the movie, but I think comedians in general make some of the best dramatic actors. Oh, to be yeah. honest with you, I mean,
0: yeah. And if, if he can, if he can come back and do more of this, I- I'm in because he he just has that charm. You know, he's a he's an affable guy um, when he's doing his stage act and normally his screen presence. And he actually has a weird little twin dual role in this movie for a hot second, where he plays like a cocky version of himself in another place. And it's mm-hmm. it's fun. It's fun to watch him stretch his legs. Nice.
1: Uh, For me, number nine, uh, this is one that I think got robbed of at least two Oscar nominations. Uh, For me, it is uh, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Uh Um, Uh I think Rachel McAdams is really phenomenal in that uh, and should have got recognized. Abby Ryder Fortson, who will always be Cassie Lang to me from the Ant-Man film, She is magnificent (laughs) as well um it's a great screenplay they kept you know they kept it uh they didn't make it contemporary or try to upgrade it to the times they made it a 70s you know uh coming of age movie for little girls and uh just charming it just feels right you know it uh mm-hmm. just a, a nice i'm not gonna say nice little film uh but uh the, the director uh kelly freeman craig you know this is only her second film she also did the edge mm-hmm. of 17 which is also awesome Damn dude. um and uh you know she's kind of got that connection with james l brooks who who does these um, uh, you know who uh um produces these films and it has that sensibility to it so if you like the james yeah. l brooks stuff um it, it just it just feels great and i i couldn't help mm-hmm. i watched this one late you know because i was thinking yeah. okay there was a little bit of publicity out there for possibly Rachel McAdams getting some love. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to check it out. Uh, you know, I've got two daughters, so I kind of understand that, that world a little bit. And uh, mm-hmm. it really just really impressed me, really wowed me. So.
0: See, now you've landed on one that's a blind spot for me. I have not gone back and caught up on that one. And now that it missed oh, okay. the Oscars, I need to catch up on a bit my wife watched it because she wanted to preview it before my daughter saw it. But uh, yeah, I, I, I've missed it. I think um, my next three
1: will be ones you haven't seen, to be honest. So.
0: It's possible. Okay, okay. Uh, number eight is probably too low in your eyes. I have past lives, which is my. This is coming in at eight, which means this is my last highest four star movie, Mm. where everyone's talked about past lives. Should throw a half uh, on that. Probably that's all right. (laughs) Um, But no, um, it, it was it was close. Um, I know this movie has swept people up in terms of that 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 final act and that final that final that final get together, that final revelation, that final goodbye and um, whatever place that other people are in their lives where that, that movie, that, that scene rattles, you know, just blows them away to pieces. It just, it didn't get me. And not that I didn't recognize what it could do, but um, it it didn't hit me as hard as it as, as it did others where it just, it just missed like a, just a slice to the side. But, um, undeniable fantastic debut filmmaking wonderful great writing great sense of time great sense of pacing Mm. love the long-term storytelling and the character bureau that they got there um and a villainless movie you know you've got a husband on the side who could easily in a different in different hands be the pesk, the jerk the reason she would leave um and he's not and that's really cool too so um and i think that's kind of unfortunate i think in my eyes how how life plays out there's not there's not always a nefarious doofus you know husband and that's a nice appreciable thing and greta lee that punch her ticket to let her do whatever she wants the how she can carry a screen in in glow is is really something else
1: except i guess not get an academy award nomination nor did anyone
0: i know in the acting which
1: is just nuts to me i agree i mean mean, especially the the three main stars of that are Mm -hmm. doing some excellent work so we'll talk about that later
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: But uh, yeah, I definitely a little low for me, but that's okay. I I'm hear you wrong with that. Um my number, we're on eight, right? My uh,
0: seven yes, eight and oh, sorry
1: My right. number eight um is another female director, which I'm very happy with. Um from Nita Manzor. I think it's her directorial debut, bit feature film debut. It's called Polite Society. Mm,
0: um okay.
1: it's really a can't miss action comedy coming of age family drama thing that i mean it's it's a very unique movie that i I highly recommend people go see so i mean in essence if uh have have you seen polite society
0: i have not but i've heard good things it was nominated for best stunts from our little chicago indie critics film group oh definitely
1: definitely deserve so if if anyone i don't know how popular it was it's kind of in and out of theaters it is on prime right now but uh Mm -hmm. essentially this uh Uh, sister. She's probably about 15, 16 years old. She's in high school. She is kind of a a wannabe stunt woman. Like she wants to be Mm -hmm. an action stunt woman in Hollywood. Um, But she comes from a very traditional uh, Indian family. It's, It's very like Beckham in the sense that she's kind of rebelling against the traditional ways. Her sister, who's really kind of a really cool artist, cool chick, you know, hippie chick suddenly kind of gets a boyfriend and kind of starts to become a little bit traditional and they kind of have those sisterly um, headbutts, you know, about where they're going with their lives. And it's also happens to have, uh, speaking of when you're not sure if it's really happening or lots of incredible action sequences and fight scenes. Um, just uh, it's hard to explain this movie, but it's uh, it was absolutely delightful. And uh, I highly recommend it. It's, yeah, it's my number eight for the year.
0: Very cool. Nicely done on uh, number seven i know it's on your list uh it's mm-hmm. my first earliest five star of the rest are all fives from here on out i have um i have the killer on netflix from mm-hmm. um from our guy david fincher and michael fassbender um just a, a super good precise action movie we've done a show on it i'll let the show speak to the bigger volume of that but uh yeah for sure. um sharpest attack um i know people try to do the oh this is mid david fincher because it doesn't you know, blow the doors off larger commentary the way Fight Club does or social network does. He just makes a damn good sharp. And you put it best when we talked about it. I'm sure you'll say it in your thing. That whole I'm buying what you sold on our show, the anti-James Bond thing. It's so Mm. when you read it like that and play it like that, that's fun. You know, and and that's a cool way of watching that movie. And Fazbender, geez man, just um just pure calculation. It's fun to watch.
1: Hell yeah. Also another thing that didn't get anything. Any level didn't From the Academy Awards. Uh, My number seven is definitely going to probably surprise a lot of people, and I'm pretty sure you haven't seen it either, though you should. Um, And this is one where I've seen it a couple times because it's rewatchable as hell, but also I wanted to make sure when I watched it the second time that it wasn't just because I was surprised at how good it was when I was expecting it to be so bad. And that is Dungeons & Dragons Honor (laughs) Among Thieves. Sure. um, Which... Is so good. I, I can't. I can't tell you how good it is. I mean, I'm going to try, but it is. It's kind of in a way like the old, like the the glory days of the MCU. It feels like that, where it has all the drama, but it also has the comedy. It has excellent action. The visual effects are done by people that are not overworked. Um, it's just got a great sense of. Uh, everything to it. And, and you can tell the directors of it love Dungeons and Dragons because I'm not a huge Dungeons and Dragons player. I respect it. I just never did it as a kid. Um, I've always wanted to, but from what I've heard, uh, everyone says it is like a uh, campaign. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're like a, like, some, like people literally sat down and made a movie out of them playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, the acting, it's incredible. Chris Pine, amazing leading man. Uh, the guy from Bridgerton is incredibly good looking and hilarious. I mean, everybody's really good in it. It's one of those movies that I laugh my ass off, but I also cry at the end. It's just, uh, I think, uh, I think I was, Mm -hmm. I was so surprised because, you know, the first Dungeons and Dragons movie is so bad.
0: Oh, It's so bad.
1: And, and I think Dungeons and Dragons, despite getting some, you know, um, Cool points with the kids because the Stranger Things and stuff is still mm-hmm. always kind of looked down upon a little bit.
0: It is, it and, is. And yeah.
1: and the fact that we went in there and, and watched it and w- I was just so blown away with how good it is. And it and the fact that it remains that good on repeat viewings is why it's in my
0: mm-hmm. number seven. I think that's um, John Francis Daly, who does like game night and some, you know, he normally yeah. guys, so but here he is swinging the action. It was stick, there's cool.
1: two of them: John Francis Daly, Jonathan Goldstein. I think they, they the co-direct. Mm-hmm. yeah they did game night which i haven't seen but i'm going to now oh, because
0: you'll like it you'll like it
1: because this is um this is just on a, one of the funniest films i've seen it's really i'm really tough with comedy it's hard for me to really enjoy comedies and right. uh, I, I wouldn't say this is a straight-up comedy but it's funny as hell i laugh so much watching it
0: sweet all right number six not going to close on the bottom half here uh, i have the iron claw um i okay. have not done a show on this and I, it, it unfortunately won't get mentioned in our oscar show because this also, also like to i can't believe that garbage. same here um between if i was nominating oscars um i feel like as an original screenplay it deserves a shot in here to tell this story mm-hmm. um as delicately delicately as they could yet as, as honest as they could at the same time um there are acting nominations worthy in this spot between Zach Efron. Um, I'm more of a Holt McLanley guy where that's my supporting guy more than Harris Dickinson or Jeffrey Allen White.
1: That was um, my pick too. I mean I yeah, I yeah. think you and I talked about that off the air. Like I For was sure like that did. guy got gotta get something.
0: But, I, just a career best from a longtime great character actor and um and those are the folks that I We'll get to another show in the near future talking about uh, natural acting and, and versus method acting and just who who are the people who do that sort of thing and character actors like Holt, um, are those are the people who make this look easy, um, and we we probably don't give them enough credit because they make it look so easy, but um, you've got a good saddest damn movie I saw this year for sure. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. there's a lot, there's just a lot of loss, and when you have that much loss, can you can you still make something? hopeful and compelling and proper and respectful. And they do. Um, and I'm a wrestling nut as it is where that was yeah. going to get me anyway. And I knew this sort of going into it, but it just, yeah, it just sung through it. And it, um, it, it just a nice, uh, yeah, just solid, solid effort. I, That's
1: a, wow. my, it's, I gave it four and a half and it's my mm-hmm. number 13. I thought yeah. it was great. I'm not a wrestling guy. I don't know a lot about it. Um, but it still kind of wowed me and, and got me into that kind of thing. And, uh, I, I am pretty pissed it didn't get any nomination. I mean, I think it should have at least six just off the top of my head. But oh, that's gosh. It's just, yeah. yeah. just me, mm-hmm. but whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, I good know. film. Great film. Um, Number six for me was in your honorable mention. Um, this was if I had to pick because I just did a film that made me laugh, and I've actually kind of done Polite Society and Dungeons Dragons are comedy films in a sense, but I'm going to go with a true comedy Um, Joyride for me.
0: Good call. Um,
1: That one, I think, has... The reason why I ranked No Hard Feelings so low is because everyone was advertising it as, you know, this true R-rated comedy from the old days. And I actually thought it was pretty pathetic, unfunny, and didn't take any risks. Joyride really goes out on a limb by being... You know, uh raunchy as all hell mm-hmm. and unapologetic pretty too unapologetic, pretty damn caustic, but just like one of my favorite comedies ever for, the forty year old virgin finds a lot of heart, yeah and soul in it, uh more so than that film, but i mean i'm I, this is the rare movie where you know you're watching you know jokes about <laughs> you know vagina tattoos, and then the next minute you're crying over yeah. a over a parental. Mm-hmm. uh video like it's it's just it it manages to kind of hit all the points while also being uh so important you know be, by having you know four asian leading ladies you know running this crew um it just it just feels right it sounds right it's funny it's touching uh it was easily the best comedy of the year for me and yep. uh and Same. my number six
0: great pick great pick um, at number five, um, I know it's on both of our lists. I'm curious how high it is for you. And a future show material for us, is Godzilla Minus One. Mm. Uh, which is... you know, I was t- saying it when we were starting this list and starting this show, this idea of separation of favorite and best. Uh, this is one of those movies that fits the Venn diagram where It is my favorite movie of last year, the one I will gladly watch over and over again Mm. uh, because it's just a blast. But at the same time, it's so damn good um, because it reminded me a ton of RRR last year where you have whatever sensibilities that foreign filmmakers bring that we just that American film film studios and and moguls just have lost have just lost the touch with is passion. Um, and whether that passion is for brotherhood or, or for nationalism or for um romance or for family, like movies just I don't know, the American movies lately in other than some great places here and there, skimp on that at the at a larger scale. And here comes Godzilla minus one, which again is an action movie that's gonna have you rocking in your seat and it's gonna have you in tears too. Because it just mm-hmm. they find the right passionate middle between, you know, well, first of all, they get the monster right. You know, um, the as soon as the end of the Gareth Edwards 2013 one, when when Godzilla beats the other Muto and and walks out victorious, back out of San Francisco, and they try to do the television thing of heralding him a hero, I'm like, shut the fuck up! Like mm-hmm. he's supposed to be an absolute menace. He's supposed to be an indomitable terror, and they make him so in this movie uh, to the nines, which is fantastic um but no you you have this human story you have this patriotic story of post-war um you know survivor's guilt that just runs its course through the movie where there just happens to be a monster uh that i think the use of that and then you bring the old music you have great cinematography super good effects for a low budget movie It, it just looks the part and plays the part better than anything the american movies have touched with using this character, where they need to be, they need to have their permission taken away to do these movies and just leave them with Toho in Japan because they do it right.
1: That's yeah, a great pick. Um, talk about that in just a teeny bit. On my side, yes, <laughs> right. I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, my number five, people aren't going to believe it, uh, but. Sure, they will. No, no one will believe it because I've, I spent the last two years in this podcast. Showing how much I hate this person, <laughs> but, oh, you know, but you know but uh, Chris, Christopher Nolan, for me, um, uh. delivered uh, to me his best film, oppenheimer mm. um, okay you know i I think it was uh, I finally was able to connect with him on where he was going uh, i okay. also th- I also think the lack of um emotional uh aspects to it I mean there's emotions in it, yes, but sure in the Nolan sense.
0: The um, non-coldness, the, the, the signature. The, yes,
1: yeah. th- that worked for me with this subject matter, and that's why it I did. connected with it I so can, well.
0: I can tip uh, my hat to that, yeah. I, I th- this is a place where his modus operandi that normally gets chastised works.
1: Yeah, I I think it just really, it just, it, the way it's long, but I, I, I enjoy the subject matter so much Mm -hmm. Um, and the way he tells it and the way that he conveys, um, perspectives by using, I, I had, I had learned after the fact that, um, the scenes, how did you describe it? Like the scenes in black and white are, yeah. Um, I believe you were saying those are the ones that are the facts, whereas the color scenes are the interpretations of those. That's where characters.
0: that's the, that's the guessing no one's come out and said it, but that was okay. the, the guess and the estimation and read I had. And if that's the case, it's fascinating,
1: which is really fascinating because there's, you know, it's already a, a chronologically, you know, going all over the place movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. But there's some, there are some scenes in which, it's in the same place and it's taking place at the same time, but it's some of it is in black and white. Some of it is in color. Some of it being, for instance, the scene at that, uh, I believe it's like a dining table, like in a hotel or something. And sometimes it's in black and white. Sometimes it's in color. Mm -hmm. And it really, you look at it from that perspective. It really shades how you're taking in the material. I just think it's a, it's tough for me because like I said, I'm not a Nolan guy. So I I can't really connect with his other film. So I can't say whether, you know, it's it, everything led to that. And it's this great film, you know, like it's his, you know, magnum opus or whatever. All I can say is, well, I've enjoyed a couple of his other films. Um, you know, this this to me is the one that finally clicked. And I'm just like, OK, I see why everyone loves this guy. Mm-hmm. I get it now. Yeah. Uh, will it make I'm me at... enjoy those other films? No, but I <laughs> I yeah. get it now. And I'm going to I'm going to look at him again in a different light now because he, okay. he has delivered something to me so good and yeah
0: yeah he that's the thing i'm the opposite of you where he had me for a long time i'm not saying i was the film bro who had to you know was tattooing his name on my ass or anything but uh (laughs) i i enjoyed his early work i enjoyed his mid work i enjoyed his batman work or i i i held it in high esteem uh and then at some point he got effusive and he lost me and in my opinion he's still kind of there um but this as a total package um he's going to win the Oscars. Let's just, just say it right here. I mean, and, yeah, yeah, for sure. and, um, and it, even if it's not what per wait even if it, well, we, time will tell if this will be the one legacy wise, that'll be the, his, his top note in history. I think he's going to make something better or we're we'll have critical re revaluation where maybe it is always going to be Batman. Who knows? But um, if this is the thing that gets him that trophy and, and gets the monkey off his back, so to speak to, you know, cause I know he wants it bad and, and he's, He's swinging for the fences to do so If that. If this is the one that gets in what what he's been looking for, we've given it to worse people for lesser things. And it's not a bad place to land. Um, (laughs) It is the Oscar default. Maybe it is boring at this point, but, um, and I thought the movie was boring and you know me. So, um, and we've had that show where I'm 45 minutes, if it can go away, even Robert Downey Jr. So it's a bummer um, for me, but at the same time, I respect what he's doing uh, and he's yeah. He, he if he's bouncing back from 10 and I, I can't wait to see what he does next. I probably say that well, every time he makes a movie. And a, but, uh, and
1: a little side note about this and we'll, you know, and I'll get back on my high horse or whatever. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, the people saying Robert Downey Jr. Welcome back to acting with this movie. Go fuck yourself. Oh, because left. Yeah. Damn He right. never left just because you don't like those movies. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the MCU Tell and them. things like that. He he was the reason why those movies are so popular. The reason why they affect so many people is because of him. He Mm -hmm. was acting his balls off. And even he says it's some of the best acting of his career. So I'm sick. I'm sick of hearing that. I'm also sick of hearing about Mark Ruffalo in poor things too, saying like, welcome back, sir to the fold. It's like,
0: yeah, no, he guys. Yeah, that's exactly
1: acting exists in all forms. Mm -hmm. Okay, That's why
0: we're going to have an editorial show real soon. Yeah. Let's just Um, chill
1: the F out with that. Anyway, number four for you.
0: Number four for me, um, I think you know this is coming. Um, this is Maestro by Bradley Cooper. Um, oh, interesting. Just um, in, in Same thing, uh, an impressive... His to- totalitarian work to write, produce, dir- um, write, produce, direct, star, um, put himself through the paces of makeup, put himself through the training of being a conductor. Um, I know we had a recent show, so I won't relitigate all that, but um, mm. he he's a up-and-coming filmmaker who's, to me, working on another level and someday will be at the top level. Um, I think he will take that man i mean i know clint eastwood's on you know is aging out but um i think as like his man. career continues this is going to be one of our masters um i think this is a guy that even if these you know these first two movies he's done uh, a star is born and maestro get the get the nominations they get without winning and he's not going to win any this year um i think we'll continue to see a guy who just gets better uh with age and maybe he I think I saw somebody talk about it where maybe he needs to do a movie where he doesn't call his own number. Um, and that might help a little bit with like, Hey, let's just put your focus in the craft and then let, let another actor show up a little bit and you, you'll still make a darn good thing. So I like what he can do. Um, I think a star is born is better, but at the same time, this is a, a monumental work for him that, I, that, I, that keyed into me. And I, of course I've been overexposed to it with the Netflix stuff, but uh, um, yeah, I'm just, the more I learn about it, the more I'm impressed.
1: I will leave my thoughts to the episode we did, even though I forgot we did an episode. Uh, But I (laughs) will say I am very happy that uh, as much as as talented as Bradley Cooper is, he still hasn't touched my boy Jackie Chan's Guinness World Record for most credits in one movie. Uh, Just, (laughs) you know, Jackie Chan in the movie CZ-12, which I saw and its Chinese propaganda, and it's insane. Uh he was writer director actor producer executive producer cinematographer art director unit production Damn. manager catering coordinator stuntman stunt coordinator gaffer <laughs> composer props and theme tune vocalist so Bradley Cooper Fuck. you got some work to do my friend Yep
0: he does take it back uh, to the drawing board Bradley
1: Yeah <laughs> no but uh I will say about maestro uh impressive talent on display mm. not not my not my favorite film necessarily i did three stars
0: i feel like it's this is our coin toss of oppenheimer like you see what's there not for you i see what's there not Oppenheimer, not for me yet prestigious around around both of them so
1: 51 for me was number 51 that's a long three three stars um but uh, better than Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. That makes me feel well, better. I, I'll um,
0: take that. I'll take that. <laughs> uh,
1: number four for me. Well, I'll save two. Mi- a lot of my thoughts for a future episode. But uh, Godzilla minus one for me was mm. number four. This is another one like Dungeons and Dragons, where um, I was worried about two things. Like this one, uh, unlike Dungeons and Dragons, where there was no hype, really not a lot of promotion, uh, and you know it's coming off of a truly awful, you know, original film. Uh, of Dungeons mm-hmm. Dragons, Godzilla obviously has been around for a really long time. I'm not—I wouldn't say I'm agnostic to Godzilla. I haven't—I'm not as well versed in the in the monster verse as a lot of people are. Uh, I enjoy it. It's really not my f- kaiju films aren't really my bag. Like I don't enjoy them as much. Um, plus, I had been excited for the most recent Godzilla films and was disappointed by pretty much all of them. Uh, In terms of the American ones, uh, Godzilla by Gareth Edwards and Godzilla King of the Monsters and Godzilla vs. Kong, I just was kind of left quite empty by that experience Uh, at the time I was getting excited for Godzilla. Um, And also the same thing happened in, what was it, 98 when Roland Emmerich's Mm -hmm. Godzilla came out? I was actually excited for it and it let me down. So I was nervous on two levels because... One, uh, everyone had seen it and told me, okay, it's, it's a masterpiece. You got to go see it. And second, it's Godzilla and I haven't had a good experience. So I was a little nervous on both fronts. Um, and, oh my God, I just, I, I was amazed at how wonderful it was because it fixed one of the major problems I've kind of had with Godzilla films and monster films in general. So I'm sure the purists will debate it and that's totally fine. But I've always kind of felt like human characters are always on the sideline, Mm -hmm. Uh, and this one made the human characters front and center. It kind of brought Godzilla back to being frightening and scary, and it's 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 very much uh, reminds me of Jaws, and it just yeah just it just has everything. It has everything I think I've wanted from a Godzilla film that I've never seen. Grant, like I said, not as experienced with it. Uh, but also perfect timetable and it's it's ironic that oppenheimer's number 5 and Godzilla's minus minus 1 is number 4 <laughs> because one really can't exist without the other i mean the ah, original there
0: you go. Good point. The, orig- the
1: original 1954 film is uh, you know was uh, you know i actually teach this in class is mm. you know it was how do you uh, how do you deal with the fact that you lost a war and something horrific happened to you like a bomb dropping on you And you do that, like many people do, uh, through horror and uh, Mm -hmm. by by depicting some of the worst things that have happened to you in monstrous form. And Godzilla was always supposed to represent, you know, the the, the terror of what got of what man created with the Mm -hmm. atomic bomb. And they brought that back with this. It's just it's uh, uh, there's some imagery in this. Oh, yeah. That is I, I think it will win the Oscar for best visual effects because I think it will, too. The Academy Awards like to, with, with visual effects, uh, and there's some exceptions, but lately they really like to give stuff that is low budget and gets a lot of critical love. That's why movies like Transformer stuff hasn't won a lot in the last couple of years because you know, stuff like Ex Machina, which was made on a very low budget, or 1917, which was nominated for Best mm-hmm, Picture. Mm-hmm. I think Godzilla Minus One will get that love because it was only made for $10 million. and looks better than some of these huge movies that have come out right you know even marvel films like i'll i'll even you say that you know like it man the wasp quantum mania can't hold a candle no godzilla minus one and godzilla minus one was made like for like what uh 190 million less
0: so Mm -hmm. i agree kudos there um number three for me is um a movie nobody's seen uh it's um a tiny little micro budgeted made for four figures or five figures movie it's called black white and the grays it's a um uh not a husband wife team of uh of a writer of aspiring actors who wanted to write and direct their own film on the side while trying to get work in l a but uh it's a movie about um a married couple who has a young child who are going through um the covid pandemic of twenty twenty one and how um, the events of that year, when you combine the death of Kobe Bryant, the outbreak of COVID, all the quarantine stuff of Black Lives Matter, um, it, she she is black, he is white, um, they have a biracial child, and how all of those challenges, um, both interior and exterior, for each of them, like because she becomes very um, just keyed in and involved into the news, and he is reverberating from kind of a, a wider, more Republican upbringing, where they... Uh, the questions they ask of each other each one are not really prepared for each other's answers and they and they go through a really hard year of marriage uh during uh, during the pandemic during fort you know shelter in place so um mm-hmm. the movie never leaves their home um and and tells that story with a great passage of time uh, in a very dramatic way and um if we've ever if we ever need a time capsule for that that little micro era uh of a tumultuous year this one does it with again with thirty thousand dollars better than yeah. something else could do it with 30 million dollars so i, I yeah. it impressed me to pieces um i've been able to get to know the filmmakers of this because they kind of solicited me this movie and it came out of nowhere and it hit me felt like a ton of bricks and i've been trying to champion it ever since put it on a list like this and uh they thank me every time i do it so um uh, t- to the two oh, of them um, i yeah i tribute tributes continue so
1: oh well, maybe we should get them on the show sometime
0: uh, i bet they would right. i should talk right. to them yeah
1: That'd be awesome Oh great, great choice. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. I love I love that's what I love about your lists. Is you always I find little stuff like that. Yeah. You find little stuff. It's great. Um number three, right? Is that what I'm on? Yeah. Okay. My number three, you already talked about is the killer. Um Mm. once again, I mean, I have loved a lot of David Fincher films, but I'm not a David Fincher guy. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. like a like a Uber fan. Like when I see like one of his movies are coming out, I'm not like, Oh, David Fincher, I gotta go see it. Uh, So I come at it from a pretty stable, measured approach with Fincher. It doesn't move me one way or the other, like Nolan would. Uh, That being said, um, I am aware of how a lot of people take his films, most especially Fight Club. Fight Club's one of those films that I think Mm -hmm. is ruined by the fans of that film because... Mm -hmm. They don't get it, just like American Psycho and a couple other films. Like they don't get it. They they they're, they're loving the aspects that they shouldn't be loving. Um, this one, I feel maybe because it's not as beloved and it came out on Netflix or whatever. This one has the potential to have the same thing because I think a lot of people are going to see Michael Fassbender's character as this as incredibly cool when in fact he is actually kind of an idiot and <laughs> not yep. that great of an assassin. <laughs> um, and that's kind of the point, you know. It's it's just very. Uh, there's so much in this film that you can read into uh, mm-hmm. on so many the levels. Co- the
0: consumerist stuff, you know, like yeah, for sure, to have a play later in life where we look, we're gonna look back and go, damn, we you really could got that on Amazon.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, abs- absolutely. It's 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 got so much to it, um, that I can't I can't help but you know be. Uh, charmed by it, disgusted by it, and really impressed that some somebody like Netflix would actually uh, release something um, so openly nihilistic about <laughs> companies like Netflix, really. I mean, if you mm-hmm. think about it. So it's just kind of a – I think it's a brilliant film. I think it uh, is one of the rare films – where no one is likable whatsoever. And it still succeeds because it's very hard to do that. Um, And like, and it doesn't glorify this character because he's an awful person. (laughs) Many people will glorify him. I feel in the future, but um, for now uh, it's number three for me and uh, an excellent film that I hope is not misunderstood over time.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to play that understood over time card in the, in the history era of things where again, this is a movie. My number two is origin by Ava DuVernay, um, where I think that's, that's, that's my, yeah. I'm trying to say this. Um, to me, that's the, the message statement, the, the, um, the, this, yeah, this, yeah, the statement movie of, of the year for me, where it just says the biggest, the biggest, best things it can about big, big questions, big situations and does so in an artful way where you're putting kind of, um, an artistic end or, you kind of putting an artistic brush to what would normally be documentary material and to tell this to tell this author's story about how she came up with her how she came up with her book where her life was at while she was making what became a you know a fantastic bestseller and to talk about the you know to to kind of connect all the bridges that she did between um the Nazi regimes of Germany to the American segregation to the caste system in India and all the little pieces of parts in between from Trayvon Martin to historians in the south and she 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 crochets all these pieces of history together the the character the author that uh, Anjanae Ellis Taylor plays um and um it does so all while her life is falling apart uh while she's researching this book where she loses people in her family and it uh yeah it's just I I I don't know how to say it. it is one of the most poignant artful films I've seen of something that shouldn't work it should be a documentary or maybe it would be more truthful as a documentary where you where you mm. show all you show all the answers to the essay of like hey this yeah. is how the you know how the nazis how the caste system in indian how american segregation all come together and that that discussion of itself is would be a fascinating thing to watch but to see the human pieces that go into it the stories that would become the treaty so to speak this is a more i don't know entertaining is a hard word to put there but this is a more enriching time uh, time spent in, in a film, so Ava, this is two for two for Ava with me. Well, gosh, three for three, you because some is really something else. And then, uh, 13th, her documentary is amazing where everything this woman touches is meaningful. And I i want her to keep making movies. And uh, I know Wrinkle in Time was her Disney shot for one for me, one for them. Um, and it wasn't the best, and wasn't the you know, the she's taking a, a, a a, a knockdown from there, but to see mm-hmm. her come back with something like this that has been completely ignored in award season as well, uh um, yeah. Is, is yeah, is regretful. So,
1: yeah, uh, Katie has been getting on me to watch that, so we, can yeah, do an episode on, so That's I gotta pretty- get on top of that at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely will, though. Um, yeah, number two for me, uh, we talked about a little bit already is past lives. Um, uh, I, what can I say? I mean, I knew mm, five minutes in, and I was like, Oh, I'm going to be emotionally wrecked by this. Aren't I? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for, I don't know how, what, how I would describe this uber subgenre of film. Okay. Um, but I've always been really fascinated with like the, what ifs like,
0: Ooh, when, yes, when
1: people when people look back on things or reconnect with people, uh, this one kind of has it on multiple levels. Like, oh, yeah what would have happened if I stayed in Korea? What, what if I did this? What if I did that? Uh, you know, what if I stayed with this person? Uh, I, I, I can't, of course, naturally, now that I'm thinking about it, I can't think of anything off the top of my head uh, to compare it to, but um, I, I do really enjoy films that look at, um, you know, a life in progress mm-hmm. and how it got there and what could have stopped it from happening and the what ifs. I don't I, I yeah. say what if a lot, but,
0: no, this one, I'm with this
1: you. one, this one, I could feel it when they, when she says in the beginning that she's moving, I, I kind of had that, you know, I, I have the same thoughts sometimes. I'm a very reflective person. I always look at mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Um, I always look at like seminal moments in my life where things changed. You know, I mean, I, there's obviously right. big ones, like, you know, having kids, like I can't even, I oh, can't sure. even really remember what my life was like for kids, you know, because you just think in a different way when you have children you know, mm. in terms of your whole life. But, um, but yeah, I think about, Oh, that trip I took where I met this person and what mm. would happen if I had stayed like I planned or it just, it, it's a, the type of movie that I think every single person can connect to because we all oh, yeah. have those, we all have, those paths of life. Yeah. And, um, the fact that it's so maturely handled another female director on here, I think I've got, that's right. I think I've got one, one two, two, three, three four on my top 10. Um,
0: I have the four. fact, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: the, the fact that it's so maturely done. Um, you know, the, the, the husband isn't the bad guy, the, 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 that's right. Um, the, the woman isn't a bad guy. Uh-huh. Um, the, and, and then the, the, I wouldn't even call him a love interest necessarily. It's mm-hmm, more of a life long-time
0: interest. friend. Yeah.
1: Long time friend, life interest is what I would put it because it's it's always like I, I think about that stuff sometimes. I'm like when I moved mm-hmm. from Florida to go to high school, like I think about all those relationships and people I left, and I wonder where they are, where it would have been.
0: Right. Same. So this is I, the
1: kind of movie you just kind of think about,
0: like you mm-hmm. just
1: kind of sit there and think about it. It it would in any other year be my number one, but it's my got number about one, yeah. you'll understand. But yeah, but it's it's yeah. number two for me, and I think it's an absolute. Um just emotional roller coaster but in a good way it just it Mm -hmm. just makes you think and i i I, I love that so much
0: i do too um and as in the what if and what it could have should have department you're talking to a casablanca fan so i'm there you know that's uh, true oh that's true that's right yeah yep um my number one uh to finally make it to the end of this list uh female director and um Nice. Uh, the, the kind of for me the best all round movie of the year, best written, best made, best mm. acted. I have Barbie. Um, okay. and if that okay. makes me, if that makes me a populist compared to the rest of my list, uh, you're so I don't woke, give a fuck, don. You
1: know?
0: Yeah, so woke, you know. No, go I woke, like it.
1: Go broke unless you're Barbie and you make nine billion dollars. <laughs> but yeah, right.
0: Um, <laughs> no, this is this is rare for me to have um the big hitter be the number one thing, but um. <laughs> uh it, it it for me it is the the for me it is the smartest movie of the year i know or um and i can go back down the list of where the comparisons are like like american fiction has great satire but it doesn't have this satire uh origin speaks to what women can do but not like this movie can um you've got the hard times of life and in, in the in the of black and white and the grays but not like you know not like where the the speeches can get to in barbie you've got a titanic central Creative presence like Bradley Cooper and Meister, but not like what you've got with Greta Gerwig here, like creating this movie from scratch with practical effects, stunning production design, costumes, makeup, hair, all the things like from an artistic standpoint, this is the most superior thing I've seen this year. And you can take every wow. period piece that Scorsese, Nolan and everyone else made. You can't hold a torch to this because it shouldn't work. This should be the dumbest fucking thing in the whole wide world. um, And it isn't. It's one of the wisest things in the whole wide world and empowering and well acted and hilarious. And, you're, and the same thing, you're still reaching for a tissue box where you can, it's something you can put in front of people and be proud to say, Hey, look at this in a different way. Um, uh, transcendent is a big, big, busy word to put on something that's pink and crazy, but Barbie, Barbie's the one, uh, Barbie's the top for me
1: um interesting interesting pick i mean i gave it four stars i don't mm-hmm. i'm obviously not saying it's a bad thing it was my number 23 this one kind of falls yeah a little bit into the american fiction thing where i think it, it it doesn't where whereas american fiction is too balanced this one you know goes in some amazing directions and then kind of goes in some ways that i i didn't particularly love mm-hmm. uh once again i think it's it's kind of got those Themes that they're all there, but some of them are jumbled, some of them are depicted clearly, and I I wasn't uh, right fully, fully engrossed in it. I know, but luckily, I know what it's trying to say, and I right. do appreciate it on that level. I did actually, you know, I think there was maybe three satire esque films, uh, you know, or message movies, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, that were done. American Fiction, Barbie, and one I had just before Barbie, or just two spots above barbie was this a film called bottoms which was a straight satire yeah. um that one hit the same issues that barbie tackles but manages to kind of hit it by sticking to a tone and getting that tone right and uh, okay. that's that was kind of my difference but uh, still barbie great film and I did do, did you do the, well, you had press screening. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did the Barbenheimer experience. Yeah, I went I to Barbie it. and then I went to Oppenheimer right back to back with my daughters to both. And it was quite an experience. So it was one of those things where I was like, you know what? I, I can't pass up that opportunity, you know, like it's mm-hmm. cultural yeah. phenomenon, this Barbenheimer thing. So I, I went and saw both and I, I really did enjoy Barbie. I just don't know if I can go number one, but that's All it's
0: right. great your number um, one
1: well my number one should come as no surprise but we'll call the this is back <laughs> well, this, well this, yeah this is the way to look at it look at this as the dying yeah um the dying
0: grass on of fire the, in the ocean right
1: yes because even i will admit that the mcu is on some down times so, you know it's it's few and far between you're finding some truly impactful you know, wonderful things like they used to be able to just pump out, you know, like um, consistently, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be a, a misfire here and there. But even the misfires were intriguing and interesting. Oh, yeah. And now the misfires just are just misfires. Um, but I got to say in in its dying grasp, because I will call it dying, because I think I think we're due. I think we're due whether we want it or not for a, a soft reboot is probably in the making. Um, in some way or another. Um but uh so so the last tendrils reaching out of the fire, the 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 thumbs up Terminator 2 style as as it descends into hell um (laughs) is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Um now this is one of those situations where do I go, okay, you know, is is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 a better film than Past Lives? I would probably say no. But in terms of You know, a director understanding, you know, how to end a trilogy, how to end character arcs, Mm -hmm. how to deliver the goods and not uh, fall victim to the studio slash Disney line of thinking and just deliver his own unique, you know, take on things. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, the the fact that this franchise even exists is a miracle in itself. The fact that he can deliver, continue. I mean, I'm even counting the Christmas special. The fact that he can deliver uh, four isolated stories with these characters, and all of them are incredibly funny, incredibly uh, heart wrenching, incredibly honest. Um, just and also just in a lot of ways, you know, beautiful to look at. I, I think like people kind of forget with how much CGI that the original Guardians of the Galaxy is so stunningly beautiful to look at. This one is just as gorgeous. I don't know, man. It's it's just really tough. I, you know, I I was kind of expecting, you know, maybe it not to be as good, but it just it hit all the marks for me. While it won't touch the original, this one's pretty damn close. It's just it, it what a send-off, what an event it felt like the old times were back again, even for a brief two and a half hours. Um, and that might be, that might be the last gasp of the MCU. We all knew and loved, but uh, or at least the shielded. Um But if it is, yep. um, it shows that they still got it somewhere in there. They still Let's got see. it somewhere. So it's going to be my number one, just for enjoyment, love, passion, mm-hmm. the event feel, everything about it just makes it my film of the year for sure.
0: There you go. And look at that, folks. That's us with our top tens of 2023. Um, I have no list of what I'm looking forward to in 2024. I've been no. swimming in the indies and taking most of January off, but uh it's not Dune 2. So uh, we'll it's see not Rebel Moon 2 either. Nope, sure <laughs> isn't. So <laughs> no uh, folks, I hope you um uh it's a good year. Um uh, you look at us with like like you said with um my three three of my my top three films are all directed by women four of the top 10 you've got um you know eclectic things from big and littles and indies uh I'm a, it's a proud year and a good list uh from both of us I, I i we we did good we did good
1: yeah i think it's a great list i think uh there's stuff that i need to see there's stuff you need to see and oh, we'll yeah, uh definitely we'll go from there mm-hmm. folks <laughs> we now have merch. From shirts to stickers, find some sweet Cinephile Hissy Fit swag on tpubliccom user slash Ruminations Radio Network. That is tpublic T-E-E, as in the t-shirt. Follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fit, on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, and Instagram at Cinephile Fits. Find both of us by name on Letterboxd to check out our film reviews and ratings. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes. Thank you so much for your loyal listenership and our tussles and for connecting with us on social media. Cinephile History Fit is a Ruminations Radio Network podcast sponsored by Film Obsessive. If you enjoyed this show, the Ruminations Radio Network has more excellent programming with stellar hosts and spirited topics. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our show. And others on Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.